0: Hey, we just want to, there I am, to introduce the subject and talk about God's desire for the family and our role to lead our families towards God. Now, all of us, we have different context uh, for what family and for what the home means. For some of us, we are single and we love being single. And our context for family is our friend group. It's being a brother or sister, it's being an aunt or an uncle. It's our sphere of influence where God has put us. Others of us are in a season of singleness, but we long to be married and to have a family of our own in our home. Others of us are newly married or new parents, and we're trying to navigate and figure all of, all of that out. Others of us are parents with children in the house and extended family close by, and some don't have family nearby. Others of us have children and teenagers, or we have some, that, some of us have children that are older, and uh, we're trying to figure out how to navigate those teenage years and how to navigate getting our children out of the home. Others of us are navigating and trying to figure out how to manage and and love blended families and blended homes. Others of us are grandparents, investing in our grandchildren that we love and and praying and leading our adult children. So when we say the word family, we all have different uh, situations and we all have different feelings and emotions when we hear the word families and home. For some, it's warm feelings of the past and the present. But for others, home is filled with negative feelings, with hurt, and with sadness, and disappointment. But no matter our circumstances or feelings, I think we all desire to have a better and more satisfying family life. Uh, Barna, which is a Christian uh, research company, they had a survey of adults in America, and they asked, what is your top priority for your life? And 44% responded saying their greatest desire was a better, more satisfying family life. And that answer was nearly three times the second most popular answer. Because within us, we all have this desire to be loved, to be known, and to live life within our family. The world tells us family is not that all important, that other things can replace it, but yet we still desire and know and long for satisfying family life. Hospice chaplains, they, I believe they have one of the most challenging jobs in the world. Hospice chaplains are, are people that spend their time, spend their lives visiting with those that are on their deathbed or in the process of dying. One such chaplain, Kerry Egan, he shared in a CNN article that people who are dying talk overwhelmingly about one thing, and that one thing they talk about is their family. They talk about their homes, they talk about their moms and their dads, their sons and their daughters. They talk about their spouse. They talk about what they, how they learn what love is and what it is not. And so many things, he says, occupy our lives and our time, but when it comes down to what really matters, he says it is our families. In family, the home, has always been a critical component of God's plan for humanity, for who we are to be. And so today we're going to try to lay the foundation for this series and, and how it is we in general follow God within our family, no matter what our context is. And so today we're going to visit two passages in the Old Testament, two uh, passages that are foundational in our biblical understanding of the family, and two passages that are fundamental in understanding how God is calling us to lead our lives and lead our families towards Him. So we're going to be in Joshua chapter 24. We're going to read verses 14 through 18. Then we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and read verses 1 through 8. So uh, here is the Joshua passage. it will be on the screen as well. Uh, It says, Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it for us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us us and our parents up out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Then Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 1, These are the commands, the decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you and your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God of your ancestors promised you. Uh, Dear Lord, we we thank you for the chance to gather and the chance to study your word. God, we thank you that your word is still relevant today. God, we thank you that you have given us families in which to love and which to live life. And God, I pray that as we study your word today, Lord, that you would call us to commit and call us to deeper faith in you. That you would call us to love and to prioritize the the families and the friends and the, the people you have placed in our lives. And God, may we be a people that love you and point others to you. It's your name we pray. Amen. So if you have been around church for any amount of time, you may be familiar with that verse, Joshua 24, 15. Or at the very least, you may have seen it in a meme on Facebook or Twitter or in a Hobby Lobby shelf. Uh, and in Joshua, he declares to the people, But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And that is a great verse, and it looks really, really good on a distressed piece of wood. But there is even more power when we consider the context of that verse. If you were with us last summer we, uh, and last fall, we spent a lot of time looking at the story of the Exodus. Looking at the wandering in the wilderness and eventually the Israelites' arrival in the promised land. And Joshua was a key leader in that, but let me give you a quick refresh of, of what happened. So we first began with the story of, uh, of the Exodus. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt. They were being treated poorly, and God calls a man uh, by the name of Moses to lead them out of Egyptian captivity. This is the very abbreviated version. But Moses goes, and he does that. He leads them out. They make it out of Egypt. There's some plagues. They cross the Red Sea. But then the people sin. Uh, he and the people, Moses and the people sin. They go against God. As a consequence for their sin, they spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness until that generation dies off and Joshua is chosen as that next leader. And as the new leader of the Israelites, Joshua leads the people across the Jordan River and then he leads them into the promised land and they conquer a variety of of cities in remarkable ways that, that showcase the hand of God. And when we get to Joshua chapter 24, they are in the promised land of Israel. And if you know anything about the Israelites in the Old Testament, they have a habit much like us, a habit of following God and then becoming complacent and turning away from Him. And so they're here, they're in the promised land, things are are going well once again, and Joshua says the people are left with this decision. Are they going to follow God and remain devoted to Him, or are they going to revert back to the religions of Egypt? Are they going to revert to worshiping the gods of the world around them? Are they going to worship the gods of the Amorites and others? And this is a position where we as individuals and we as families find ourselves still today. Now, the world around us is much more sophisticated than the Amorites. The world around us doesn't worship little idols on their shelf or call their priorities gods. But nonetheless, we are left with a choice. Will we worship and follow God as a priority in our life or will we worship the things of this world? Will we chase after God or will we chase after other other things of this world? Because following God in his ways is always, and has always been, countercultural. And it will always require us to sacrifice things in the eyes of the world. Following God will lead us into conflict with the beliefs of the world. It will reshape our priorities. It will reshape the way we spend our time and our energy. And so we're left with a choice just like the Israelites. Will we follow God in his ways, or will we follow the world in its beliefs, its priorities, its way of life? And so Joshua here, he's getting old. His days are numbered and kind of like we do as we get older, he just starts speaking the truth and he challenges the people. And he challenges the elders of Israel. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But then he says, "If, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself on this day whom you will serve. Are you going to serve the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates, or are you going to serve the living God who brought you here? Then he says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He says, God's been faithful to you. He has provided for you. He's provided for us as a nation. He has given us victory. He has helped us conquer the land, but we have to decide who we are going to follow. You have to decide who you're going to follow. He says, you can't live life worshiping two things. So you need to either worship God and throw away your idols. Or if, that's, if that, or if that seems undesirable to you, then he says, just go and worship the gods of this world. He says, you do whatever you want. You go the way you want, but make a decision. And that's when he says, and for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You do what you want, but we're worshiping the Lord. He takes a stand. He makes a statement. He's willing to live countercultural, and he's willing to be an example of what it looks like to live for God. And it's for us as individuals and for us as a family, we have to make that decision. We have to choose. We have to draw a line in the sand and say who it is that we are going to worship, who it is we are going to follow in our lives. And that's our first point today. We have to decide as individuals, and we have to decide as a family who we will follow. Joshua, in this moment, before the people, he takes a stand. He says, you all do what you want, but for myself and my family, we're going to follow the Lord. Now, as an individual, I I am a person. I'm not big on ceremonies. I don't love milestones and celebrations in my personal life. In fact, if it was up to me, I would avoid them altogether. But they do have a place and a purpose in our lives. They are opportunities. They are moments where we can take a stand and declare to the world our position. These are defining moments that we can look back upon for years to come and remember that moment of faith in our lives and our families. Defining moments where we say, I don't care what the world follows. I don't care what my neighbor does. I don't care what my friends do. As for me and my family, we are going to follow God and his ways. In our personal lives, the Bible calls us to do this in two primary ways. First, we have to have, we have, to have a moment we have to, where we accept his invitation to follow Jesus and experience his forgiveness of sins. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is that we are all sinners separated from God. But Jesus came and he died the death our sin deserved. And he rose victorious over the grave offering forgiveness of sin and eternity in heaven to any that will follow after him. And so we all have to have a moment in our lives where we decide to follow Jesus and trust him with our lives. Or are we going to follow something else? That's what the Israelites and Joshua had to decide in this moment. And we have to decide as well, who will we follow and trust our lives to? And so before we can lead our families to follow Jesus, we have to first make that decision for our own lives. Right? We share the gospel every week, but we have to ask the question, have I ever recognized recognize my sin? Have I ever asked for forgiveness and made Jesus the Lord of my life? That's a line in the sand moment where we say, I don't care what the rest of the world does. I have decided to follow Jesus with my life and I trust him with my future. So have you ever done that? Have you ever trusted Jesus with your life? Have you ever made that decision, had that moment where you said, I am going to follow him? If you haven't, you can do that today. You can pray in your seat and come and talk with me. I'd love to answer your questions. And then second, the way we get to have this moment or declare to the world our faith, the Bible uh, calls us to declare our decision, our faith to our friends, family, and to the world through something called baptism. And baptism itself, it does not save you. It doesn't wash away your sins. The Bible tells us you your sins are completely forgiven through Jesus' work on the cross when you, in that moment where you choose to follow him. But baptism is a moment where you get to draw a line in the sand, declare to the ones you love and to the world, I have decided to follow Jesus. And it's a moment that you can always look back upon and remember that you chose to follow him. And so if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, you've never, and you have trusted your life to Jesus, but have never been baptized, and I would encourage you to consider if God is calling you to take that step of faith declaring your faith to the world. If that's you, let us know. We can do that any Sunday, but we would love to talk to you about what that means. And it's an important step in our faith journey. It's an important opportunity to own your faith and declare it to the world. So that was this moment for Joshua. He declares the world to the people that asked for himself. He was gonna follow God. And he took it a step farther. He said, not only am I gonna follow God, but my house, my family are gonna follow him as well. He said, you all do what you want, but we're gonna follow God. And as a family, especially as parents, we we have to make this decision for our family. We have to decide that we are going to follow, prioritize, and and make Jesus a priority in our home. The world is going to push and it's going to pull us in in all sorts of good and all sorts of bad directions. And if we don't draw a line in the sand and say we are following Jesus in his way, then we will quickly find ourselves drifting in different ways, in different directions. So we have to intentionally decide who we are going to follow in our homes. Now I understand that many of you, you, might live in a home where you are a follower of Jesus, but your spouse or, or other people aren't followers, or it's not as big of a priority in their life. That's hard, and we're going to talk about that throughout these weeks. That doesn't mean you can't prioritize Jesus in your life, in your interactions, in the way you live. So why is this important? Why is it important that we as a family take a stand to follow Jesus? Well, it's important because the family is designed to be the primary place where disciples are made, where we teach our children about God. If you read the Old Testament again and again, God says to share or impress. We read it today. Share or impress these things on your children and grandchildren into the next generation. God calls us to pass on what God has done in our lives from generation to generation. He calls us to teach our families the ways of the Lord. So how can we do this as families? How do we put this decision to follow Jesus into action? I think the best uh, starting point for this is our next point, and that is that God calls us to submit and serve one another within our family. So we have to choose, we have to decide to follow Jesus, we have to make him the most important person in our home, and then we have to submit to following him and submit to following his ways. When we make a personal decision, we, we follow Jesus and we make him a priority in our homes. We say we intellectually, we believe that Jesus is who he says he is. We believe that he died for our sins, and we want to follow him with our lives. And intellectually, we have to decide to follow him within our families. I think sometimes we hear this word submit, and uh, submit's got a negative connotation in our culture, in our society. As Americans, as Wyomingites, we don't submit to anybody, Right? The reality is we do submit every day, and and submission can be a good thing. We come under the authority and the laws of our nation and in our community and organizations and so on. And so if we believe truly that God's ways are the best, we believe his plans are the best, that he is the ultimate ruler and creator, if we believe that he loves us and cares for us so much, he sent Jesus to die for us, it only seems natural that we would come under his authority with our lives and with our families. And so under his authority, we see some of his first parenting advice there in Deuteronomy 6. We heard it earlier, but but he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. He says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So to submit to God means to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then God calls us to follow him, talk about him, impress His your love for God on your children, on your family, and live it out in your homes and within your life. So within our families, we submit to God, and then we submit and serve one another. Paul in Ephesians 5, 1-2 writes, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as an offering and sacrifice to God. Then in verse 21 of chapter 5, just before Paul begins to talk about different roles in the family, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He calls us to submit to one another, submit to him, and then submit to one another within our families. So we submit that Jesus is the most important person in our family, and then we submit to one another, making them the more important person than ourselves. Now, does this mean that we give our 3-year-old or our 12-year-old or our 33-year-old everything they want? course not that's not submission submission is not blindly doing whatever the person wants submission is looking out for the best interest of the people in your family and doing what you know to be best for them even when it's at times hard for them it's looking for their needs above yours right you know that eleven thirty 30 bedtime is not good for your three-year-old so you put them to bed at eight o'clock kicking and screaming You know your 33-year-old needs to grow up, and so you encourage them to get a job instead of paying their bills for them. So submission doesn't mean we let children or or the dogs or whatever run the house, but it does mean we love the people God has placed in our families. We prioritize them in our conversations. We place their needs above their own, and we care for them, and we love them. I know this is difficult, and, and, and none of us are perfect. This is a growing area for all of us. And I know that some of you are thinking, well, you have never met my husband. Right? You've never met my dad. You've never met my mom. you never met my sister. You don't know how hard it is to value and submit to them. And that's true. Many of you, I haven't met your family. But Paul calls on us here to love as Christ loves. And what Jesus did was he gave of himself, he gave his life on our behalf. So we're not called to change the other person, but we are called to love and serve them. And you remember who we, when, when you remember who we were before Jesus, and that he still died for us while we were sinners, that frees us and gives us the love and compassion so that we can care for and serve those people in our families that are hard to love and serve. And so my challenge for you this week is to try to, uh, try to intentionally do this, to, to intentionally serve someone in your family, to value them this week to do the dishes, to to take time to call the mom or dad you haven't talked to in a while, to provide loving discipline to your child when needed, to to give your spouse a break. Step outside yourself and live for others in your family this week. And then the final thing, the final point for today is we must, if we want to honor God, if we want to, uh, to point our families to God, we must prioritize God in our home, and we must prioritize our families in our life. If we want to, if we long for our family to follow God in, in our lives and in their lives, if we hope to leave a generas- generational legacy of faith, then we have to make our family and make God a priority. This makes sense, I think. It's common sense. If we want the members of our family to value and follow God in their lives, then we have to value, follow, and prioritize God in our lives. Right? We can tell our kids to follow God, but if we don't follow Him in our own lives, then why would they? If I want to pass on, I I love baseball, it's my my favorite sport. If I want to pass on my love of baseball to my son in a world that no longer has the attention span for a nine-inning game, they're trying to shorten it every day, they no longer appreciate a sacrifice bunt, they no longer appreciate the history of the game, then I can't just say, son, this is a good game and you should love it. No, I have to teach it to him. I have to introduce it to him. I have to take him to games. I have to let him experience it all. I have to talk to him about it. I have to go and play baseball with him. I have to take time to instill the love of the game with him. Same way, if we want our kids to be readers, then we can't just say, you need to go read. Right? We need to go and read with them. We need to let them see us reading. That's the same. as true of our faith. If we want our family to value Jesus then we must prioritize him in our lives and in our homes. If we don't make our faith a public priority and a priority in our lives and our family, then our kids and our children, those that look at us, those in our sphere of influence, they're going to assume he's not really a priority. They have to see us read our Bibles. They have to see us pray. They have to see us go to church and follow God daily. You saw in that Deuteronomy passage where we are told to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. And then after we've done that, after we are loving him ourselves, then he says to talk about it at the home. Talk about it where you live life. Talk about it when you are coming and going. Put reminders of your faith in your home and in your life. Write and remember the scriptures. If we want our family and our lives to be grounded in faith and we want to follow God, then we have to talk about it and prioritize it outside of the hour or two that we might spend at church each week. When we talk talk about it within our families, it makes a difference. So if we want our families to follow God, we must talk about it. We must read the stories of the Bible together. We must talk about His provision in our life. We must talk about His faithfulness in our lives. We must talk about what we ourselves are learning. And if you're not doing this, it doesn't mean you need to start doing an awkward, hour-long Bible study with your teenage kids. But just start simply recognizing and acknowledging God's faithfulness and provision in your everyday life. I think about how this has impacted my life. So, I've told you about my dad before, but growing up, my dad my dad owned a small, one-man plumbing company. And when my parents would talk about the work he had that week, or they would talk about the money that came in that week, they would always acknowledge God's provision in that. They would talk about the reliance on him. Or even when the economy took a downturn and work was hard to come by back in the, the, the early 2000s, they would acknowledge God's provision and faithfulness. And then every month I would sit there and I would watch them write out and put their tithe check in the offering plate, acknowledging God's provision in their actions and trusting he would provide the next month. It wasn't awkward. It, wasn't just, it was just part of our life as a family. God provided and we thanked him and we acknowledged it. So you can do stuff like that when God provides for you, when, when you're going to buy groceries and you can say, man, we have money to buy groceries this week. We can thank God for that. When God heals or blesses, thank him for that. Begin to audibly acknowledge and talk about God's presence in the life of your family. Now, my family growing up wasn't perfect in this, but we were, and we were somewhat unique in that we just spent a lot of time together melding our faith and family uh, for many of us, this is not how our lives work or our family work. That's our family. Our family isn't quite like that, like my family growing up. And so what we've had to do is try to find and schedule times where we would read a devotional or Bible story together. I know families who do this every day before or after dinner. or They intentionally take time to do a devotional and wrestle with questions with their children. I don't know what would work with you, but find times to talk about God in your family and point your children to him. And this can be incredibly choppy. It's not easy, but be intentional. Our, our family, we are far from perfect with this. We, but we try and prioritize church for our children, and we try and prioritize reading the Bible with our children. And one of the things we have tried to do is read the Bible each morning during breakfast. We've got this awesome little devotional book for the kids, and we will use that. But I, I, and I would love to tell you that we do this every day, 365 days a year, without fail. But that is far from reality. In the fall, we got in this great routine, and we were doing this, and then Christmas hit. And Christmas hit, we read the Christmas story, and then we have struggled to get going in the new year. But every day we miss, or every time we've missed a week, we try to stay encouraged and start again. So whatever you try, it's going to take intentionality and purpose. But when you fail, don't quit and try again. The same is true with church. I, I know it is hard to get to church on a Sunday morning. Every Sunday, we wrestle three yahoos under the age of eight, right? There are mornings where if this was not my job, I'm pretty sure I would not be here. But I want to encourage you, the fight is worth it. And I don't say that the fight is worth it, and I say that to encourage you today because you're here. You have won the fight this morning. Good job. You have made the countercultural decision to prioritize God in your life, in your family's life, and in your home. You are making God a priority in your home, and that's awesome. Well done. And we know this, but we can tell our kids the value of God, but we must also show it in our actions. We must show that God affects our daily lives, he must that he affects our weekly routine. Otherwise, they are going to ignore anything we tell them. Your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, they see your life and your priorities, and that speaks way more into their life than your words. So we have to prioritize God in our homes, but we also have to prioritize our families and prioritize time with our families. I heard a stat this week that said uh, the average child will spend 25 minutes a week engaged with their dad. And they will spend 25 hours a week in front of their TV. If that's at all close to true, it is no wonder our kids grow up idolizing and longing to be like the heroes on TV. As opposed to holding the values of their family and their dad. Right, that could go for any relationship, but it's common sense. If we want to have a good relationship, we have to invest in it. We must to spend time in it with our family, with those that we love, with those in our sphere of influence. You may know, the Bible. It was written within the context of an agrarian society where everything was done within the family. You worked together. You grew up together. Everything was done within the family. That's not our society today, is it? And so we have to find ways to prioritize our family prioritize our children, prioritize our spouse, prioritize those people in our sphere of influence. If you think back to your time as a child, I'm certain that many of your fondest memories aren't the special planned days, but they're those times or those things that you just did with your family, with your parents, with your grandparents. Like some of my fondest memories as a child with my granddad were hauling hay with him. They were working in the garden with him. They were just tagging along in the pickup truck with him. Some of the best times and memories I have with my dad are when he would come home from work and he would play basketball or wiffle ball with us in the front yard for hours upon hours. It was knowing that my parents would be at every game they could possibly be at. It was talking about that game on the way home and the occasional treat of a meal out. Yes, I have wonderful, wonderful memories of vacations and celebrations, but the moments that shape my life, the moments that shape our lives are those everyday moments where they simply had time for me and they invested in me. If we want our families to follow Jesus with their lives, then we must prioritize our faith in our homes, and we must prioritize our families in our lives. In a few weeks, we're going to talk about and look at the topic of legacy and how it is we leave a Christian legacy in our family trees. And for me, that idea of a Christian legacy is one of the most exciting concepts to preach about and to dream about. Many of you, you aren't blessed. You, You aren't blessed to have come from a family that went to a church and prioritized faith. And that's hard. But you have a unique and amazing opportunity in your family. You have the chance to be the one that changes the direction of your family for generations. You have a chance to begin leaving a faith legacy in your family tree. You have the chance to turn the ship and change generations. You have the chance to decide today that for me and my family, we will follow the Lord and we will make that a priority. I've shared this before, but, but both Melody, my wife, and I, we came from Christian immediate families. But when I look at both of our sides of our family tree, I can point to the person. I can point to the generation that changed our family heritage. In some cases, it was a great-grandpa that I never met. In some cases, it was a, a grandfather. In Melody's case, it was her dad. Her dad grew up not knowing his real dad. He grew up surrounded by alcoholics and a chaotic, immediate family. But someone shared Jesus with him at the county fair, and it changed everything for his life. And he decided in that moment that if I ever have a family, it is going to look so much different than the family I grew up in. Because of his choice, because of his decision to follow Jesus and make it a priority, it has changed the trajectory of our family tree. And so if you're here and you didn't grow up in a church, you didn't grow up following Jesus, you have the chance to create a generational legacy in your family. You have the chance to say, I'm going to follow Jesus and my family's going to follow Jesus and I'm going to prioritize him and it can change generations. I think that's the coolest concept to think about. and I'm so excited about talk about that in the coming weeks. So as we set a foundation for what is the family and how we follow Jesus in our families, we must first choose to follow him in our lives. We must choose to follow him in our families. Then we must submit to him as the leader of our lives and the leader of our families. Then we must prioritize our faith in our homes and our families in our lives. So as we respond to to who God is and what he is calling us to do in our families, uh, there's different places we could be today. Maybe we're here today and we have never trusted Jesus in our own lives. Maybe today he is calling you to follow him in faith today. If that's you, would you investigate who he is? Would you ask your questions? Or maybe you're ready to turn and trust him today. Maybe for you, you need to decide today's the day we are going to prioritize and we are going to trust Jesus in our families. We want to follow him. As for today, my family, I'm going to follow the Lord and my family is going to follow the Lord. Maybe you need to make that declaration in your home today. I'm going to follow the Lord. We are going to follow the Lord. Maybe you just need to start living out your faith daily, submitting and serving to follow Jesus, but also to submit and serve and love those that are in your family. Maybe you need to start making your faith a priority in your home. Start reading the Bible together. Start committing to say we are going to follow him. We're going to to invest him. We're going to spend our Sundays at church. or, Or if you need resources to do that, come and talk to us. Maybe you need to prioritize just, I'm going to spend time with my family. I've been too distracted by work or recreation or other things. I'm going to prioritize my home, my children, my spouse, those people in my sphere of influence. I'm going to prioritize them and spend time with them. So I'm going to pray for us. And then uh, as I pray for us, I just want you to spend a few moments reflecting on who God is and what he's calling you to. Then I'll close us out and we'll have some announcements. Dear Lord, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you sent Jesus, that while we were still sinners, you sent him to die the death we deserve. And God, I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, God, if they're wrestling with who it is, they're going to make the God of their life. God, I pray that you would speak to them. God, I pray that today is the day they would draw that line in the sand and say, For me, I am going to follow the Lord. I'm going to experience Jesus' forgiveness. I'm going to trust him with my life. And God, I pray for the many here that have done that before. Lord, I pray that maybe today is the day we say intentionally we are going to follow Jesus in our homes. We're going to make him a priority. We want to make him the Lord. We want to submit to his ways and follow his ways in our homes. And God, I pray for all of us, Lord, that as we go, that we would be a people that love those in our homes, that love those in our sphere of influence, Lord, that we looked for intentional ways to serve them and to point them to you. God, I pray that Again, as we go through this week, Lord, you would help us to prioritize you in our homes, but to also prioritize our families. God, you have given us this gift of a family. You've given us this gift of friends. You've given us this gift of a sphere of influence. God, may we prioritize it in our lives. May we point those around us to you. May we love and serve those in our lives. So God, I pray that over these next few weeks, Lord, that you would just speak to us clearly about what it is you are calling us to do in our homes, how you are calling us to lead our homes better. And God, we thank you uh, for the privilege it is that you have given us to have families and to have friends. May we leverage it all for your glory and your good. In your name we pray, amen. All right, well, one second here. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, if you're new to Living Hope Church, there should be a welcome card somewhere in the area of you. If you wouldn't mind filling that welcome card out and there's a wood box on the back table, you can just place it in there. Uh, we would appreciate it. That's also where you can place your tithes and offerings if you consider this your church home. Um, in terms of announcements, they're all on, on the back of your sermon notes. If you didn't grab one of those, there's some over there and some in that, the lobby. Uh, but we have a small group Bible study, which meets here at the church from 6 to 7 on Sunday nights. Uh, Youth group and kids night. We had our last youth group and kids night for uh, the week last week. So that will, uh, the weekly ones will return in the fall. If you have questions about that, you can come and see me. Uh, And then there's information on the three summer camps we have coming up. We have children's camp on Casper Mountain, uh, which is sleepaway camp. There's info there. If you have questions, come see me. We have summer youth camp on Casper Mountain. Those dates are there. Uh, If you have questions, you can come and see me. Uh, Also, I have the forms for that if you'd like to see those as well. And then we have our vbs bible day camp which happens here at the church and that's going to be august 31st or not august 31st man july 31st to august 3rd so you have questions about that you can see me as well thank you so much for being here today Uh, thank you for taking time out of your weekend to spend with us we pray you have an awesome week and we hope to see you again next week you are dismissed